0: The 54th chapter that we're starting here, it's talking about the extent of the church and the certain of deliverance and person. Let me get my... uh, The preservation, preserving of the members of the church. There we go. I didn't want to say perseverance, but I meant perseverance. In other words, God's ability to keep us through whatever we're going through. In other words, we're invincible, being invincible, the church. Once they realize as sons of God, it'd be like Jesus passed right in between the people that were trying to capture him because his time wasn't there yet to We have to start getting a mindset. This is all about mindset and faith, a stronger faith than what we have. You need to read, study the whole 54th chapter. I'm pulling two verses out of there today, the 15th and the 17th verse. It says, if anyone fiercely attacks you, I'm reading it out, the Living Bible And the Amplified Bible, you have your King James Version, but as I was saying, in this day and time, we need to study. The biggest percentage of our day needs to be toward studying, or reading, or praying, or conversing, and meditating in the Word of God, because we're in those times. It says, if anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever attacks you will fall because of you. It's, if we read and know the scripture, whoever blessed Abraham, he would bless. Whoever cursed Abraham, he would curse. But you have to have a relationship uh, intimately wound with God. You can't be like a lot of mafia people or uh, a lot of people on television that's doing bad and then when something starts to happen or the consequences of the good guy about to do him something then he said well I know my rights are you know and the law says you can't do this and, no but you're a law breaker you're not doing right The this coverage from God comes when you obedient to his will when you walking in his word let me, let me tell you that there that you have to be in his word walking in obedience the 17th verse says no weapon that is formed against you Will succeed, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. In other words, this is the church militant. There are some people in the church that's passive. In other words, they may, you know, give their spouse or say something to their spouse or familiar, someone that they're familiar with. But so far as a stranger or somebody else that they don't really know, they're not as aggressive and they wouldn't get that person told or say what's on their mind or straighten out. They don't have that boldness. There's a lot of people in the church without that boldness, but that's not the Spirit working in them. The Spirit gives you a certain amount of boldness. That's what they noted about Peter, that... Christ had given him a certain amount of boldness. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear, a timidity, of being timid, of shy. That's all those things really are not of God. Those are spirits. It says, this peace of righteousness and security and triumph over opposition. In other words, the end-day church is different from Israel. It's different from the early churches. The churches could start walking in victory and in triumph and overcoming. This is the inheritance of the saints. It says, "Is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. So, things could change. He's shaking the foundations as I heard the news the other day was saying people, you're not hearing a lot of the political parties that used to be advocating against climate change or whatever they're seeing that this is real and this is a man-made catastrophe that we're coming into. But it's also those that are spiritual see that it's the end time that God's reckoning that this is closing out time is vastly closing out that's why I say we need to be studying studying his word now I said when we obedient that we're invincible we're invincible to God's finish whatever he has for us to do uh, what does no weapon formed against me shall prosper mean simply put, God was stating that anyone who is seeking to do evil against believers will fail. Though for a time it may seem that we are defeated in a situation, God assures us victory. Now, to a novice or someone that's not learning, they're not hearing the spiritual speak of that. The spiritual speak of that, you may die, somebody may kill you or whatever, but we know as as spiritual and children of God that that's not the end that, that that's not the end and it seems as though it's prospering and that's one of the things that Jesus gave us an example when he went to the cross and Satan didn't realize the dead devil didn't realize if, if he wouldn't have been such worldly and without understanding of God that was his ultimate blunder was to kill an innocent man on the cross. God vindicated Jesus. I said that the Jews rejected a suffering Messiah. But through his death, God rose him from the dead and gave him all power. So that weapon that was formed against him, that destruction, when he told him in the Garden of Eden that he shall bruise your heel, but you shall bruise his head that ultimate blow that the devil thought he was wreaking against Jesus was him putting an innocent man to death and God rose him from the dead so that's what we're looking for vindication from God against the opposition so when we oppose or say anything we it must be spirit led now that that's the different thing that, that that's what's happening with Christian nationality and a lot of people that are saying things that in the church. Eh, some of it may not be of God. That's why I say we're in the perilous times because you have to distinguish between the, the spirits that are speaking and he tells us try the spirits see whether they be of God but you would have to know about spirits and in this last day and time we're fighting, and our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So, if they're not carnal weapons, their spiritual weapons is by pulling down strongholds of the adversary. But to do this, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. So, He's talking to born again believers. He's talking about people that know God and are waiting for the Spirit to lead and guide them that are attuned to the Spirit of God. Because just because you allow somebody to do something or just because you do something, that doesn't mean that God is in it or you're a true professing Christian to do those things. What is the weapon of our warfare? Uh, The helmet of salvation in the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we go into about putting on the whole armor of God. And each morning, in my prayer, I I ask God to place that, and I go through that. He have my loins girded up in truth. And you have to gird your loins up. The truth wraps about you. You have to be in the truth. We have to have our helmet of salvation on to protect our thought life and to bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word is the sword of the spirit but you must be able to rightly divide the word of truth. You must have the shield of faith to quench the fiery dots of the adversary because that's where they come from sometime when somebody say something to you. And that's been happening with me and some of my relatives and me and people. Watch what you're saying, everything, because that's the most dangerous weapon. That's why it says every tongue that rises against you. But that also is talking to you because it's a double edged sword. So you have to watch out for the things that you say, murmuring and things within your own household. That's why I say that enemies are those within your own household because. They are little murmuring and smart com- comments and complaints. All of that is against scriptural r- s- the obedience of God. So it, we're, the power of life and death is in words, and the power of controller in, is in those words. So that's why we're losing the battle a whole lot of times because. We're not even getting out on the battlefield before we get angry with our spouse, our children, or somebody else. And we've damaged the whole day for us because it started out in disobedience. We have to watch the retorts that we make, the, the comments said back or whatever. We, we have to guard our tongue. Yes. It says to be constant in prayer. When prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. So everything, even with your children, spouse, anybody, you have to turn them over to God. Anything that they're saying to you, try not to retort or try not to get even, or try to bring that to where you take that to God. And then when God's chastening, however, God's handling them with that. I think it was me and my daughter, somebody was talking the other day, somebody was talking about the family, how this person was what he was fighting with his mother or father or something or whatever. But we do know about God's word it says, Honor your parents that your days belong, and then some things about the child that the ravens of the air or pick the eyes out, or whatever. There's a lot of horrible deals. We look what happened to Absalom for going against his father even though David told him to deal gently with him Joab put him away you know so all of these consequences coming when we start understanding the Bible we we start to understand that every transgression received is just recompense of reward and that man is not the ultimate judge of the rewarder it's God that chooses how are these things happening to you? So some of the sicknesses that's happening to us, some of the the things that are going on in our lives, some of our financial shortfalls, some of the things going on, there's a spiritual war going on, and you may be losing the battle in that area. It may be God doing these things. We have to see these things. Uh, So... When obedient, I said we were invincible. Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, and the 24th verse. It says, And he will hand over their kings to you, and you will make their names perish from under heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. Uh, The living Bible says, He will deliver their kings into your hands, and you will erase their names from the face of the earth. No one will be able to stand against you children of Israel is coming into the promised land. Their time was up. This was some 400 years after the promise to who? Abraham. That he brought the people back for the inheritance. So we have our example in the Old Testament that where he's saying this is the heritage of the children of God. I was telling you on the way up here about my father's house and about that. This is, if we look at it, a year of jubilee, a time of jubilee where he's going to restore all of that that the canker worm and all of these things has destroyed. But we're going to have to go in to possess these things. When Joshua and them went in to possess the land, it wasn't that God just handed it to him. A lot of people saying you make one step, God makes two. No, that's not Bible. That, that's nowhere in Biblical. But there are things that we have to do. He told Joshua, just as he told Moses, he said, everywhere the sole of your feet is planted, that will be a possession for you. We have to find out what possessions God has for us. We have to come in the church and find our purpose and what God's plan is for us because we can't get someone else's blessing. We can't get into a place someone else has. So we see that God's going to fight politically for us to take the land. And when I say take the land, I'm not talking about Americans. I'm not talking about someone from Baton Rouge or New Orleans. I'm not talking about someone from another nation or country God's people are scattered throughout, but God's word is that his people would possess the earth. So we're talking about possession of the whole earth is for God's people because the earth is our inheritance. Because he's going to remove all evildoers. It won't be any evildoers because that's why I say the Latter-day Church has the millennial reign in mind Where we are ruling and reigning with Christ, and we are bringing out judgments, and it's the church militant. In other words, the church has to have that aggression. You know, me and my daughter talks a whole lot. You know, much more than me and any of my sons talk now. But that aggression has to be from a spiritual point of view, because there is a worldly point of view that comes out that's coming through the church coming through national Christianity coming out this is the counterfeit this is the other Jesus so the battle when Jesus said in Revelations he says he would come he would fight against the church because within the church we have false professors we have the antichrists we have people that are not of God in the book of Matthew says the children of the kingdom shall be cast out and others would come in the publicans and harlots would come in and inherit the kingdom. So he tells us in the book of Galatians that the works of the flesh liars and such things should not have inheritance in the kingdom of God. So we have to be kingdom minded that His kingdom is coming, and that we're bringing that in, that the kingdom is among us, and it's within us, but we have to come out of the world. So we're in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle, and it's not geographical, but it pertains to us here on the earth. Deuteronomy 11 and 28 says, No man will be able to stand before you, the Lord your God will lay the fear and the dread of you on all the other land which you set your foot on, just as he has spoken to you. He puts the fear of the hornet in. Do you back, I don't know if a lot of people can remember, back when people feared men of God. They feared the preacher. They feared someone that they felt had a anointing on them. When Elijah would come to villages, when Samuel would come to villages, They say if it's coming for good, what are you coming for? See, because the prophet usually dealt a measure of doom. So this is no plaything. We have to get that seriousness. We have to get a spiritual mindset that this is a life and death battle that we're in. This is no joke, it's no laughing matter. This is for keeps, this is for spiritual inheritance. The Lord will defeat your enemies before you. They will march out together against you, but scatter before you in seven different directions. All of those that tend to gather against you. Now, you have to look at it from a physical point of view, but you have to interpret it spiritually. Because there are people that get behind your back and tail-bear. They'll gossip about you. They'll backbite you. All of these, you, you have to realize... Whether they believers or unbelievers, all of this has to be punished. Whoever it is doing wrong, God punishes wrongdoers. That's the mistake Israel made. They thought that they were God's people. They're like the Pharisees, that they could do wrong and evil because they were physically tied to God. But Jesus dispelled that myth. He says, those that are my sisters or brothers are those that do the will of the Father. So disobedience has an ultimate penalty to pay. So you can listen at the prosperity. People go in and pull out all of the scriptures about the blessed and prosperity. But you have to look at the curses and everything applying to your life. Because the the scriptures, the word of God is like a double-edged sword. God applies it. Man is not applying it. So you can be a hypocrite, but God says, I'll deal with the hypocrite. I'll deal with that person that's saying one thing and doing another. And that's why a lot of people try to find man or ask man or appeal to man and please man. But it, the decision is not for man to make. The decision is God making so somebody else will come in and change that whole thing. Because you trusting and depending upon man and not God you depending up upon nepotism or something. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way but feed before you seven ways. And I've seen a lot of people that have done stuff to me or that I consider enemies or whatever. I, I'm not happy what has tr- transpired or happened to them or whatever. But see, all of these things help build your faith in God when you see these things happening and what's going on. That's why a lot of times, as Samuel say, Well, look, uh, Job, you plead and offer and sacrifices for your children or other people, or you ask people not to do, they don't understand what they're doing because what you doing to me, you're doing to God. Yes. He says, I'm the apple of his eye. So if you cursing me out, whatever you're saying or doing to me, that's why he says pray for your enemy. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray for all it because you really don't understand what you're doing to me. God's going to pay you back for that. I'm, having, I'm being merciful. I really feel sorry for what's going to happen to you. I feel sorry for the position you're putting yourself in. That's not good. It's going to look like you prospering in this. You remember I said that I was praying about the person that, you remember with my automobile and everything, and I say, well, he, that, was, he, he, that was evil. Uh, it's a whole lot of things in my life. I bring that before God in prayer or whatever and ask God to help me forget about those things. Help me, but I'm you watch between me and them. That's right here in, in this church. There are many people that I pray that say, Well, God, you see what didn't happen. You judge. As he, David says, You watch between me and them. The whole time that David was running from Saul, he knew he had to keep his hands clean, even though he had unbelievers around him. Abishai said, Look, let me jab him with this spear. I wouldn't have to jab him a second time. He was mad at Abishai and he later on had to deal with them because it says, God says, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. He told Saul how much it hurt him to even cut his garments like that. Well, we have those scriptures in the New Testament. Rebuke not elder. There are certain people where you're not in a position to get the pastor told. You're not in a position to do the elders of the church. It says let two or three, and that is elders or other people come in and level these accusations, you're not in a position to do that. We have to respect positions and authority, what God says. That's why he says, watch people who twist the scriptures and bring in things because now it's much more deadly because you're damning your spiritual soul to eternity. See, it's worse physically as your parents didn't told you that Old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words that never hurt you. Well, words are the thing that damns you. He says, every sin against man shall be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And that is speaking against the truth, fighting against the truth. So the words you say, you say something to your spouse or your children, they'll remember that the the rest of their lives, that cuts deep. Now, they'll get over a lick or something, somebody punching you or whatever. You get over those things. It may learn you a lesson of who to fool with, and who not to fool with or whatever. But words are, they're saying, that's what you really think about me. That's what's in your heart about He says that, Jesus. what did Jesus say? That which comes out of a man is what defile a man, not what goes into it. We need to find out what's in your heart, what's in your mind. Joshua... 1 and 5 says, No man will be able to stand before you to oppose you as long as you live, just as I was present with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. You have to assimilate that into yourself. That's what Jesus Christ did. All of these things was within him, and he knew. It says Herod was after him. He says Herod couldn't do him anything his job was complete. You have to believe if God has you on a destiny, if he had a faith for you, F-A-T-E, whatever that faith, whatever he has, whatever you see, you make sure of that call and you walk in the Lord and don't fear man. In that boldness, that faith and confidence in God, that's what makes you invincible. Yes. Because Peter knew what death he was going to die after he got an older age, that's why he didn't equivocate or try to get out of it. He said, well, no, I want you to crucify me upside down the other way. But he wasn't fearing for his life and cowering for his life as he did in the garden when he ran away from the three young maidens who accused him of being with Jesus. He didn't deny Jesus now. He was going to his death because he knew that was part of God's word. He had become a hymn. Joshua 21, 44 says, And the Lord gave them peace, just as he promised, and no one could stand against them. The Lord helped them destroy all of their enemies. Now, verse 13 in this 54th chapter says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thine children. Why is there peace? Why is your children having peace? Why is peace coming to you? Because when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with you. So as you go around doing the work and pleasing God, your enemies go have In the Old Testament when they say they go put the dread of the hornet on them. I, me and Brother Dent was talking about that and Dent was asking me what that meant. Was it literal hornet? You know, I don't think it was literal hornets. It's just that when you spoke to somebody in those days about a hornet, a hornet driving them out, the people over in Africa and some of these other places that have dealt with hornets, we've heard of a few hornets here. But the hornets and things, no other insect or whatever delivers the blow of the hornet. That hornet would, could knock you out. It could kill you the sting of that hornet. If a swarm of hornets got on you, you were dead. They was talking about the killer hornets was coming from Africa toward Washington or Oregon or something at one time or whatever. But the fear, the dread of the hornets or whatever. We see where Florida is being overran by pythons and boa constrictors now. And they say it's almost a losing battle for the Floridians if you would look at some of the things that's going on. There was a 19-footer they caught the other day. Mm -hmm. Joshua 23 and 9 says, For the Lord has driven out great and mighty nations from before you, and as for you, no man will be able to stand before you. We look at, um, it's about the race wars and nation, he says, nation will rise up against nation or whatever. There are some areas and some homes or whatever a lot of people, that's what the great what the wall is about. Uh, a lot of Hispanics coming in, and now we see black Hispanics and all different other creeds or races or nationalities or whatever. The nation's becoming mixed, and a lot of people are living in homes, as God says, that they didn't build. A lot of people are living in different places, and things are being dropped driven out we have to look at the spiritual aspect of this some of the big political names and everything have fallen that we didn't think would fall in some of the nations we're not looking are we looking at these things from a spiritual aspect or we just watching streaming television or whatever and a lot of us have our heads in the sand. And we don't even read the news or keep abreast of the news of what's going on really in the world. Well, there were those the same. It says times will be as that it was in the days of Noah. They were eating and marrying, giving in marriage. you so occupied and tied up with the world, you don't see what's going on around us. But we know if you keep listening at this thing spiritual, that's why you get stronger and bolder and you're getting more aggressive because you know it's a spiritual warfare. The, the devils are getting wiser also, though, See, because the devil is no longer afraid of you. If you notice that Janice and John as it tells us in the book of Acts, they withstood Moses. They didn't just turn and run. They withstood Moses. Now the devil's... His ministers have been changed into angels of light now. They're in the churches. They're preaching. They're behind the pulpits and everything. They're putting same-sex marriage. They're putting all of these other things in the pulpits. The Methodist church, and I was telling you about it, and the Southern Baptist church and all of these churches, where it's coming apart at the seams. What's the teaching of the apostles? In Matthew 16 and 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. That is, Hades will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Christ. In other words, this death had to be, and Jesus knew that he was coming to die, and there's no way that this could prevent that. That's why he told Peter... Get thee behind me, Satan! Because Peter had said that shall not happen to you. When he was telling them about going die, he says, "Get thee behind! You can't stop this. I was destined to die. That that was why he had came here. You you tinkering with God's will here. I will give you the keys. That is the authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, that is for or to declare to be improper and unlawful on earth." will have already been bound in heaven. I I want you to get that, what I just said. Whatever that you preach and teach here on earth, whatever is bound on earth, what you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. But the Amplified inserts this. It's not in the King James, but we know that by praying the Lord's Prayer, that this is what can happen. It says has already been bound in heaven. In other words, we're just bringing God's will as we pray in, his, in the prayer that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already done this way in heaven. In other words, that's why I've been telling you we have to go out and preach the gospel, preach the word of God. This is a victory that's already done. This is a done deal. we just bringing the news. We're just bringing good news that this fight is over with. Jesus has won this fight and is finished, and the devil's been kicked out of heaven. The accuser of the brethren, don't let him accuse you. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So why are you afraid when people are saying things about you? Blaster you when people persecute you and say all manner of evil against you because why? They're heaping coals of fire on themselves and you being more merciful, you being more like God when you give them a drink of water. Mm -hmm. When you feed them, when you pray for them because you're praying, as David says, when you were wishing me harm or whatever, I was asking my father to do you good to turn you around. Now... I would have to do some other teaching on this and preach because you, you may not know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God bless you and give you wealth and riches for doing the evil. We can go into David's prayers of implications there, whatever. But he says it's already been bound in heaven, so we're praying that the way things are in heaven be done here on earth. So that preaching and teaching is the word of God. That's what we're to preach, the word of God. Don't preach your opinion now. Don't, don't bring in things that are not in the Bible, that are not being led by the Scripture. See, now that's where we get into some doctrine and some different preaching and teaching that's going on out there that's false prophets and false teachers. It says, whatever you loose, that is, permit or declare on earth, will already have been loosed in heaven. So just because we allow same-sex marriage on earth. Just because we allow people to do these things and accept different uh, homosexuality or lesbianism or this what it is, LGBTQUXYZ or whatever this thing is. All of this thing that's iniquity. We can't legitimately, that's what Jeroboam did. He caused iniquity. He brought legalization of religion the wrong way. So We can't, just like if some states had a prohibition against alcohol, but then they legalized it. Now they're legalizing drugs. Abortion was illegal, now it's legal, and then it's back illegal. But all of that, that's not the fight. The fight is... What is God saying? We, yes. we can't legitimize. So we can't lose or we can't declare something lawful that God doesn't declare lawful. That, that's why when we get in the Sabbath thing, changing of the Sabbath day or whatever. If God says this is holy, this day is holy, this is the Sabbath day. We can't change it and make another day holy. Man doesn't have the power to make something holy. If God set aside and say this day is, the seventh day is holy and that's the Sabbath, I can't come back and make the first day of the week. The Catholic Church said they did it, in which they did do it, and the world has accepted it. If you worship on a, if you talk about the Sabbath, you kind of an outcast because it's not scriptural where we see that he changed this to Sunday or that he changed this to the first day of the week over what they got in Corinthians about bringing an offering or whatever, and I'll have to get on that another time. But you think God just put a little uh, appendix in there of one thing here that you can interpret this way, and all through here he's telling you about the Sabbath and the seventh day? Like I said, we need to study rightly dividing the word of truth so you won't be tossed and turned by any wind of doctrine because there's a lot of preaching and things out there that sounds good. There are a lot of college and seminaries that sent their people into all of the world with good preaching, good oration, and standard doctrine where they have pulled things out of here and made a religion of it. But God's saying that's not where your security is. Then he gave the disciples strict orders to tell no one that he was Christ the Messiah. Now, if he told them to not tell anybody, now the revelation comes. All men knows that this same Jesus is both Lord and Savior. See, you don't need nobody to tell you who. Jesus. If you don't know who Jesus is, you got a problem. The Father has to reveal the Son unto you, and then the Son reveals the Father for them to come into that relationship. There are a lot of people still on the outside of that relationship. So here's a church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation 3.17. It says, I know thine works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knoweth not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and negative. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do it not appear, anoint thine eyes with eyesight, that they may see it. That has so much in it, I can't unwrap it here. I'm after something else anyhow, but we should know this as a church. What's the implications of that? The 19th verse, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Change, turn around from where you are, the way you are. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man have... Hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcome it I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that had a ear, let him hear what the Spirit says under the churches, so they don't have a relationship. Christ is knocking at the door. So that's a church that's outside of that relationship. So does any of this invincibility apply to them? They're wealthy. They have everything. They think that they don't have need of anything. So does any of this invincibility that I was talking about apply to them, that any weapon formed against them will shall not prosper? None of that applies to them. Why? Because they are part of the disobedience. So we're talking about what is the security of the saints. That's how you have to know that you're in Christ. Job 11:18 18 says, you will have courage because you will have hope. You will take your time and rest in safety. So you don't get perturbed by everything that goes on around you. He says, because we know, he says, see that you be not troubled. You know, some of us has had some pretty hard lives. Some of us has become temperate. Some of us learn contentment. But all of these things add to our assurance in Christ, and we know that none of these things cause us to be outside of Him. Psalm 91 and 5 says, Now you don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore, nor fear the dangers of the day. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the error that fly by day. In other words, you won't be able uh, worried about circumstances, uh, uh, the plague of COVID, uh, all of these things, because we know things happen, and if anything happens, we know that this doesn't separate us from the love of God. So whether we get COVID and die, whether something happens, we're not afraid. That's why I say he hadn't given us a spirit of fear. Yes. You know, a lot of people are afraid to die. When death comes, they feel getting, they're getting close to death. They want to run, join the church and all of this. You have this fear. And like I said, you have assurance. We had a, a dear sister that faced death a few months back that we had uh, very strongly because that's just resting us sleeping in the Lord. That's why it says you don't fear of what's going to happen day or night. That leaves from among us. Now, I'm not saying that you're some sort of sadistic person that looks forward to these things or whatever. Even Jesus Christ, when he came to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any other way, but nevertheless, thy will be done. So we're not saying that you go around, oh, I ain't scared of... Now, that's not natural or normal either. It's not spiritual either. Because didn't Paul flee several times and they let him down in a basket getting away from death? Psalms 112.7 says, He will not fear bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting, confidently and relying and believing on the Lord that whatever comes as Job Job wasn't shaken by the circumstances and the things was going on he was asking or trying to get counsel with God because he had a he didn't have the understanding but you remember I said when you become spiritual God gives us understanding to understand the scriptures he answers the questions why that's why you know we can Ask God why something is happening. You don't say, why me? This shouldn't be happening to me. You ask God, what can you extract from this situation? What is it he's trying to teach you? Why is going on? Help you to deal with this situation. We have to learn that we need to ask God what to do in particular situations or whatever. So we know he's in control of the situation. And whatever is coming, it's coming from him, whether it's chastening or whether it's something that we cause ourselves. Now, when I say whether it's chastening or something we cause ourselves, what I'm meaning is uh, the debate over Ananias and Sapphira, were they saved or were they not saved? That Why such a tragic discipline of death upon them when they did this, if they were saved, as God reached to those tragic circumstances? But even Aaron can ask the same thing, that his sons offered the strange fire to the Lord. You see what happened? All of these came about by acts of disobedience. They lied to the Lord, and Aaron's sons disobeyed and offered up strange fire. But we see that Adam lost the kingdom he lost paradise because of disobedience now he keeps talking about the first Adam or whatever it's just like when Job I keep giving y'all the situation with Job when Job's children died he took all seven of his sons and three daughters but does it necessarily mean that sometimes God takes us out of this world that's what I say you can be taken out of this world and still a child of God. It's just that this was a sin that they committed that was unto death. And he says there are sins that's unto death. But that doesn't mean that they still wasn't Job's children. That Job wasn't going to lie. El- and Eliphaz and Zophar to come in and talk about his children and what kind of life his children live. No, these are my children that you're talking about. Even though they're not here or whatever, God was the one that chastened them, but we don't know who's saved and who's not saved. So we can't make that judgment standing over someone. We can't make that judgment in life. Judgment is in God's hand. So, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Uh... The living says, "When With them on God you can sleep without fear. You need not be afraid of disaster or the plots of wicked men for the Lord is with you and he protects you. If you be able to rest at night, when you pillow your head, you're not worried about who's scheming on you and what's going on. As they say, God got you back. It's no use in both of y'all staying up. You go to sleep because he that keepeth Israel neither slumber nor sleep. So we have to see our invincible ability to man and he says fear not him that can destroy the body and mind, but do fear him that can destroy the whole body and mind and spirit and soul in him. Yes. See, because there is such a thing that God says, now I know man preaches a different thing that they are burning and doing all these things. But God says the soul that's in it. Shall die. He didn't say he's going to go to a burning hell or whatever. He says the soul that sinned shall die. From dust you come to dust you will return. Yes. Now to those that teach that d- these people are somewhere in heaven with the Lord looking down upon us and everything, in the Book of Acts, David and Stephen says, David and Paul says that David is in his sepulture with us today. He's dead. Ecclesiastes says the dead know nothing. So I don't know where, know where these other teachings and preachings are coming from, but I do know what Scripture says. Hebrews 13 and 6 says, So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? The Lord is my helper. Brother Washington used to love to say that. I will pastor and founder of the church 1 yes. Peter 3 13-15 says usually no one will hurt you for wanting to do good but even if they should you are to be envied for God will reward you for it quietly trust yourself to Christ your Lord and if anybody asks why you believe as you do be ready to tell him and do it in a gentle and respectful way but that's not we have Christians today Christians are harsh, they're cold hearted, and they're messengers that are not messengers that have a compassion or empathy for man. And that's why I think these are the Laodicean Christians that are preaching and teaching a good bit of them. The Amplified says, Now who is there to hurt you if you become enthusiastic for good? If you become zealous for holiness and the things of God, who is it to harm you? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, and that is, you you're not, it's not certain that you will, but there are some that will, you are still blessed, favored by God. Do not be afraid of their intimidating threats, nor be troubled or disturbed by their opposition. But in your hearts set Christ apart as wholly acknowledging him giving him first place in your lives as Lord of your life. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance that you have. That's a way to get a testimony in when they ask you, why are you acting like this in this situation? That is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And see to it that your conscience is entirely clear so that every time you're slandered or falsely accused, those who attack or disparage you or good behavior in Christ will be ashamed of their own words. So that's what I say. Let them attack. And I'm having to learn that sometimes that's that's not all out of me. I still have bad... Don't look at Pastor and say he's saying he's perfect or whatever. I'm saying this is what we have to do. This is what the Word does. It purges and washes and cleanses us. And The more closer and the longer you're in Christianity, the worse you see you are. That's what Paul, Paul way in his life said, he's the chiefest of sinners. He wrote the book of Romans later, much toward the end of his life. Regardless of what Brother Swaggart says. This was Paul struggling in the 78th chapter about the way he was in this inward struggle because Peter said, Oh, Lord, he's not worthy. He says he's an unclean man. Isaiah, everyone that sees the Lord says they unclean, that they unholy because of his holiness. If we look unto the word of God, we see how short we are in disparage and say we wish we could do better. Isaiah 41, 10 through 16 says, Do not fear anything for I am with you do not be afraid for I am your God I will strengthen you be assured I will help you I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand a hand of justice of power and of victory and of salvation I remember one minister here or whatever saying that he seen the Lord picking the pastor up with his left hand I said there's something wrong with this bitch you know something wrong with this spirit he never uses the left hand why he would use the left hand he's always in scripture says it's righteous right hand the righteous right hand is a hand of justice of power and of victory and of salvation the right hand that's why it says sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool indeed all those who are angry with you will be put to shame and humiliated what are they angry at you about? A lot of people say, well, be ye angry and say not." But according to what you're angry about, maybe you need something to temper you with that anger. You know, sometimes it's a little bit of anger with me. Sometimes I may say something with a tinge of anger in it. And I, and I get back and I beat myself with that and I pray about it. But you don't know if these people praying about these things or not. See, that's why if you tell them of the hope that's in you, they can say, well, why are you being so calm about this? And you tell them about Jesus or the reason you're doing that, you you know, I need to do this. I need to just humble myself and pray. Amen. We never know what God will do because when Elijah told Ahab this, I was reading this in my daily devotion to you know, beside by studying, I have a daily devotion, and I was reading this that this week that God said that he was going to destroy Ahab's whole household for what he did to neighbor. And when I, Elijah came back and told him this, Ahab just, just tore his clothes and everything and went in the sackcloth yes. and ashes with fasting. And God told Isaiah to say, You see how Ahab humble himself. Now this is the most evil man. He says there's no king no wicked than Ahab that did as much evil as Ahab but God said you see how Ahab humbled himself? You go back and tell him I'm not going to do this to him but I'm going to do it to his son. Now he's not changing what he's going to do. He's still going to do his household Ahab he who wiped out the whole household and Jezebel and everybody else Ben-Hadad and all of them That's when Elijah went back and sent out this this hit squad toward him. Elisha killed some, Ben-Hadad killed some, and Jehu killed some. But he said, you see how Ahab humbled himself? I'm not going to do it to him and his generation. Indeed, all of those who are angry with you will be put to shame and humiliated. Those who strive against you, you will be as nothing and will perish you shall search for those who quarrel with you, but will not find them. And that's what I say. I look back over the years, different people and different things, and happened. it makes me believe that much more in God. But I'm just telling you, you start making a correlation with how God's working in things in your life. This would strengthen your faith. This would give you ever-increasing faith. Uh, I had that in. Two or three different versions, but that's going to take me further than I want to go. Evil men put to silence. Job 5, 12 through 16. He frustrates the devices and schemes of the crafty so that their hands cannot attain success or achieve anything of lasting worth. He catches the so-called wise in their own shrewdness, and in, and the advice of the devious is quickly tar, toward it. In the daytime they meet in darkness, and at noon they grope as in the night. But God saves the innocent from the sword of the mouth of the devious, and the poor from the hand of the mighty. So the helpless have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. You see how God's protecting us that are in him, those that believe in God and are strengthened by him? There are plenty of ways that God's keeping us, and we have to do it. Let me close this because I won't go over the rest of this Sunday, and the preaching's going to be about this on the Sabbath day. So the teaching will end here. With James 4, 7, as I was telling you about Ahab. It says, so submit yourself to the authority of God. Resist the devil, that is, stand firm against him, and he'll flee from you. If we submit ourselves, so God says, submit yourselves to the authorities, the those that have authority over you, or to the authorities of the rulers in general. We pray for our mayor, governor, president, leaders, our pastors. We pray for one another. We submit ourselves to God. But in that submission to God, we have to resist evil. We have to resist the devil. We have to resist evil thoughts. We have to resist bitterness. We have to resist all of these things now that are carnal, that breeds carnality, because we can't inherit. We have to be being big, obedient to the word of God because if we want to inherit the kingdom, the rule and reign in the kingdom, we have to have clean hands. But Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest with your deeds adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatreds, variance, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, hearsays. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have to be obedient to God. We have to see that all of these are the schemes and devices of Satan yes. that you carry around hatred, that you carry around carousing and riotous living you know what lasciviousness is it's dressing in a lewd uh, manner to cause wantonness in other words a seductive manner and we see that with a lot of people with shorts tattoos tight clothing and uh, skimpy clothing no clothing we see that in television programs and all of these but we have to be obedient to God